Welcome to the Mainline Podcast. I am Adam Jacquez. I'm back from honeymoon, and apparently a honeymoon was all it took to uh, totally tear down this podcast and, and give us a week off, but uh, there's there's tons to talk about still. Tyler, I guess I guess you want to know the uh, the wedding details, though. Yeah, how'd it go? I guess, uh, I guess you're a married man now. Everything went through. She made it down the, uh, made it down the aisle. Yeah, yeah. It uh, was a little iffy on the weather at first because it is Upper Peninsula, Michigan, where where we got married. But uh, turned out really nice, actually. Um, I was really worried because it was cold and rainy in the morning, but turned out uh, pretty comfortable uh, once we got to the ceremony. And then honeymoon down uh, in San Antonio. And actually, uh, everything went really well there, too. I was worried about Memorial Day crowds and everything, but um, everything went smoothly. Even had a couple opportunities to catch some OU baseball. So nice. Um, was able to, to keep track of everything. Did not get sunburned terribly. Um, so success all around. <laughs> so what a, what yeah, a gift from uh, OU baseball to you, Adam. Yeah, no gift. kidding. Because we were talking like two weeks ago. I was like, man, this is this is not uh, really possible in my opinion to win four in a row with uh, with the pitching, but. We'll talk more in detail about that and, and how they came through there. Give well, us a- I do want to do want to congratulate you again, Adam, on uh, getting married. And I know that you had to skip the podcast last week and just want to let you know it was the most listened to episode that we've ever had. I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it, your absence, but congratulations again on uh, on getting married. So that's good. <laughs> I appreciate man. Proud of you. <laughs> what, what I really need right now is I need my abs update from Corbin. Uh, crazy into the first period recording live, uh, Edmonton ties up with like 13 seconds to go. Avs score five seconds later to go up three, two Edmonton challenge to play <laughs> to my shock. The goal stood. And so Avs will be on the power play to start the second guys. Well, I'm in so, hockey heaven over here. So where are we at right now? Is this conference finals, semifinals, conference, okay, game. conference finals? Yep. Game okay. one. Yep. Okay. So Edmonton, Colorado on one side. How about the other New York and Tampa? Tampa. Okay, it's about yeah, that. That's, yeah, they they won last year, right? Back to back years, <laughs> really, yeah. really good. Yeah, good deal, so. man. I'm at, Corbin. I'm uh, actually coming up to see you tomorrow. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, leaving tomorrow for a bachelor party in Denver. You so bringing that trophy? You're gonna catch? Yeah, bring my trophy, damn it! Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> fuck Adam. God dang it! Yeah, I guess I could. I guess I could. I should. I should have just deleted that bullet point off of the script here. I, Pretty much teed it up for you on that one. But no, I, I'm not sure that the trophy will be making a trip. I actually am going to the UPS store tomorrow, though. As a matter of fact, got to return to my trophy. Though. The trophy will be en route. I'm going to put it right here next to the phone. That way I do not forget it. We'll put that puppy in the front seat tomorrow and it how, will make a How trip many times have we heard this, Adam? This is like the fifth time, I think, that we've been talking about this since our uh, betting ended. And we're talking about the college football season bets. And we're sitting 97 here. 97 or what? 95 days? 95 days. Can we just make a like a universal decision because we have the numbers that if Tyler wins betting next year, like he just doesn't get the trophy all year long. Like it's just he's boring. had it already. It's it's getting it's getting it. close to I mean. that point. It's pretty much getting close <laughs> to that point. Yeah. I deserve it. I well, won. Well, let's talk about someone else that's not getting a trophy, unfortunately, mm. and that is men's golf. Uh, season mm. comes to an end this afternoon out in Arizona. Yeah, tough day for Ryan Hibbold's squad um, at a Greyhawk Golf Club this afternoon as the Sooners season comes to an end at the hands of the Arizona State Sun Devils in match play quarterfinals. 
Uh, guys, this is kind of a tough pill to swallow. Um, I mean, we're talking about a team that's been a majority of the season ranked, uh, or I guess not even a majority, basically all season long ranked number one in the country. Three of the four guys were consistently ranked in the top 20 all season long. They won the Big 12. They won the regional in dominant fashion and played some really good golf uh, for three of the four stroke play days, but they really struggled as a team yesterday, uh, which dropped them from the one seed all the way down to the number two seed, which set them up with the matchup today against the host team, Arizona State. And guys, competitive golf, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. It's an unpredictable game, especially when it's match play format, uh, and the Sun Devils got the best of OU today. If Oklahoma plays them 10 times, they probably win 8 out of 10, but this is golf. Uh, anything can happen on any given day. Uh, but unfortunately, Arizona State caught the Sooners on an off day, and we paid the price for it. So, um, And then focusing a little bit individually, it was a tough 24 hours individually for senior Chris Goderup, uh, who came up short yesterday for the individual title. He missed two putts, I believe, inside of five feet on the back nine yesterday's. And that one stings, guys, uh, especially the one on 17 missing the four-footer where he had a chance to take the lead outright with one hole to play, um, setting him, himself up for a chance to win a national championship. Uh, and then today he suffered a tough 7-5 and five loss, and you know putter just kind of let him down uh, from, from start to finish all day long, was never really able to get back on track after falling down uh, two hole or falling down two with two holes, uh, to start out his round. But I do want to finish on kind of a high note here, guys, uh, with Chris, because it was announced today that he won the 2022 Fred Haskins award awarded annually to the nation's top or most outstanding golfer. So congratulations, Chris, uh, on one hell of a season, one hell of a college career. And we can't, can't wait to see, uh, what you do at the next level. So not the, not the finish that we wanted, uh, from the OU men's golf team, I know Ryan Hibble, you know, he's talked about how proud he is of his team and we're all proud of him. But uh, this one does kind of sting a little bit when expectations uh, were a national championship. Tyler, what should be the the disappointment level for this team? I mean, you're, you're number one the majority of the year putting up win after win after win, solid performance just to kind of fall short before you even really get that far into match play. Yeah, I mean, I think that you do have to kind of be a little bit disappointed. Um, like I said, this was a team that, that started the year out preseason number one. They played extremely well all season long, able to maintain that number one ranking. Uh, you win the Big 12 championship. I kind of joked about it today talking to one of my buddies. You look at who the top eight teams were that were left in college golf going into match play. Four of the eight were from the Big 12 Conference. So to play that well all season long, win your conference championship, dominate your regional on your home course, setting yourself up where you've got a ton of momentum going into Greyhawk this week at the NCAA Championships. They came out the they came out of the gate, played extremely well. Like I said, they were in first place after the after the third round. Struggled a little bit yesterday. The winds picked up out there uh, out there in Scottsdale, so uh, didn't have their best effort. Were able to lock up the two seed going into today. I actually said before the round started today, I thought that them getting the two seed was kind of a blessing in disguise, not having to take on Texas Tech in the first round. And I guess we should have uh, guess we should have cheered. Uh, to take on the Red Raiders today. But no, OU falls to Arizona State today. Um, season comes to a close in the NCAA quarterfinals. But if there's one thing that we know, uh, Ryan Hibble, he'll have this team back next year. They lost three All-Americans from a year ago, and here they were again, number one all season long, right till the till the very end. So tough how loss. Many, how many seniors are on this team? Uh, I believe there's two. Um, I know for I know without you know having the roster in front of me, I know Chris is gone. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know Chris was a guy that the transfer portal we were able to land from this past season. So uh, transfer portal, we'll see if Ryan Hibble. I know that we've got some really good talent, especially from some of the in-state kids. 
there's a couple Oklahoma boys that will be making their way to Norman to, to be on Ryan Hibble's team going into 2023. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't expect anything else or any, anything less than Oklahoma being right back here to compete for a national championship again next season. It was so tough to watch the finish of that because it was all on the shoulders of a redshirt freshman, a guy that yeah. ideally would not be in that situation. And then uh, Cameron Sisk from Arizona State just makes that incredible putt that does a full 360 around the cup from the low end. So it was yeah. just it was weird <laughs> to watch that that drop in. And I, I I don't know if did we ever find out if that was Arizona State's home course or if that was just nearby they happened to be the host. Uh, I think it was just nearby. They were considered the host school. They're they're kind of the hometown. Well, I guess Arizona State. They're in Tempe. Is is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily think it was the home course, but um, definitely those guys have played that golf course quite a bit. You know, over yeah, there, they had to at have known it pretty State. well. So, yeah. but Adam, I think you bring up a good point. You know, Stephen Campbell Jr. That was definitely a bright spot that I think you can take away from today going into next season. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was going head to head with Arizona State's best player. Uh, he was down one with four holes to go. You know, you don't expect a, a redshirt freshman going against a senior national championship quarterfinals. You know, he had every reason to, you know, kind of shy away from that, but was able to tie it up at 17, actually, uh, you know, fell back to, to being one down on uh, with one hole to go, I believe is what it was, uh, and then finding a way to win the hole on 18 and, and get it into extra holes. So, uh, tough pill to swallow, but you got to feel uh, you got to feel encouraged about the direction of this program, where it continues to go, climb to new heights, and we've got a lot of good young talent uh, that'll be making its way back to Norman next season. Is it time to talk baseball? I'm just actually, just, I'm I'm actually excited to talk baseball <laughs> for the first time in a long time. So, yeah, you, Adam, what's uh, what's going on? Yeah, you and a lot of other Sooners. I asked this question through our Twitter account. Give us a follow on there at the Mainline Pod earlier this afternoon. I wanted to get a gauge for Sooner Nation and what sports they were the most excited about. So I asked, you know, which ones are from softball, baseball, and football, just simply because football is – something that there's a lot of one sport fans out there. Unfortunately, there's, there's room for, for you on the bandwagon in baseball. Uh, if you're looking for something else to uh, kill your time with, uh, 26% of people did say that baseball was what they were most excited about. Uh, 23% said football, despite absolutely nothing going on <laughs> at the Barry Switzer <laughs> center right now. And then 51% chose softball, which is expected. Um, they have the bigger following as of right now, they're playing for a national championship starting uh, later this weekend. We'll talk about them in a moment, but I think that there is a ton of momentum for, for baseball right now. They did something that I didn't expect them to have the ability to do, which was win four straight in the big 12 tournament. Um, now they were able to avoid Oklahoma state, which was great, but they mowed down Texas. They mowed down Texas tech. Uh, and, uh, they just did everything that, you know, we could have expected from them, like way, way more than what we could have expected from them. And, uh, the pitching was phenomenal. You got career or season high strikeout numbers from each of your weekend starters, uh, 12, 10 and nine, I believe, uh, with Kate Horton doing that on Sunday against Texas, thought that was probably the most impressive was, uh, your your freshman and Kate Horton going out and do that doing that against a really solid lineup in Longhorns. So uh, unfortunately, uh, that game took place as the host sites were announced for the tournament play. And so I guess you could say, oh, you got hosed. They probably deserve to be a, a host site for the NCAA tournament first round there. But um, that those sites, kind of an archaic thing, kind of like softball, the way people always complain about different things in softball that NCA does. And this, this really sounds like the type of thing that they do where they go, we got to announce it 
you know, on Sunday instead of Monday in order to give more time for people to get ready. That seems like something that Mm -hmm. they implemented in 1970 has never been updated since. But as it stands, OU's headed to uh, to Gainesville as the uh, two seed for Florida. And of course, uh, check out our YouTube channel. I'm wearing my Miami Vice Oklahoma baseball shirt. Felt appropriate. Got my Trevin Michael as my background here with his horns down. So, so many good things just um, lined up for OU baseball. I don't, I don't know that there's many teams that are hotter right now. And you got to love mm-hmm. their prospects going into postseason play. Yeah, I mean, this has been one of the hottest teams in baseball for what feels like a better part of the last six to eight weeks. And, you know, we've talked about it, you know, going all the way back before the Big 12 tournament, Adam. There was a chance Oklahoma could host a regional. Uh, and quite frankly, I, I think it's bullshit <clears throat> that they weren't one of the top 16 teams uh, who were awarded a regional. I think it's embarrassing, like you said, that the NCAA uh, selects the hosting sites before conference tournaments have actually finished. And like you said, we're actually getting live updates, announcements while the game is actually being played. So Texas is actually being announced. Uh, Austin is getting a regional side while OU is beating him for the Big 12 championship. So, uh, guys, this is what really kind of pisses me off. And, you know, Adam, you can speak on this as well as anybody. TCU won the Big 12 regular season title. OU was the runner-up. Texas Tech finished third. Oklahoma State and Texas finished four and five uh, in the conference. Oklahoma then goes on to win the Big 12 conference tournament. And yet the two teams that finished fourth and fifth in the conference are the ones hosting regional sites. So am I going too far as saying that maybe RPI had a little bit less to do with this and maybe it was the facilities in Norman, Oklahoma that might have cost Uh, Oklahoma a chance to be a regional host? I don't know that I'd put as much into that because Oklahoma State and Texas both had uh, higher RPIs than OU, I believe. So uh, it's a combination of that. I and I think the the baseball committee, just like it is with the college football playoff or any other committee that picks postseason teams, their consistency from year to year is is totally different. Um, you know, this year strength of schedule was something that they looked at a lot with a lot of teams. Um, some teams got snubbed, uh, left out of the tournament because they didn't have a great strength of schedule, even though they had a good RPI. So mm-hmm. it, it's just who knows why they pick some teams and why they don't pick others. Yeah, OSU has a great stadium and good for them. Maybe Arkansas beat them, <laughs> you know, great, but um, well, I, I think it's kind of hypocritical too, Adam, you know, watching the, the NCAA selection show uh, on Sunday, one of their biggest, you know, selling points when talking about why Florida uh, was, you know, one of the top 16 national seeds and their biggest deal was, well, Florida, their performance in the conference championship, they played their way into a top 16 C, which, you know, kind of, it's kind of a, what have you done for me lately type scenario where how can you apply that logic to Florida? But when you look at a team like Oklahoma, who's won their last five big 12 conference series goes four and zero in the big 12 tournament beats Texas, the preseason number one uh, in college baseball to win the tournament. I don't know. It just kind of feels like a, uh, it feels a little bit hypocritical uh, when you look and see how Florida was treated and how they were rewarded for their performance in their conference tournament, but Oklahoma wasn't. Part of that's the time of the game, right, Adam? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great yeah I mean, it, to me, it, my first thought was, okay, the Big Twelve signed up for this time slot in order to get it on to uh, to TV, and it was only on ESPNU, which kind of sucked because I was on a plane during that time. I saw like the first inning, saw OU go down one nothing, landed back in OKC, and we had scored eight runs out of nowhere. Uh, so all all the fireworks on Sunday happened while I was on a plane. Couldn't even watch it because it wasn't even on a ESPN or ESPN two. Um, but yeah, it felt like they lined it up just just for a TV window there. And and then the Pac twelve, there was a, a similar situation where they didn't even 
start warmups until after all the host sites have been announced. Now, didn't end up mattering for that matchup. Both Stanford and uh, Oregon State are hosting there. So didn't end up screwing either of them. But it, at the end of the day, I'm kind of okay with it. And maybe it'll work out better in OU's favor because I think the regional in Gainesville is very winnable for OU. And then if you do win that, you avoid Tennessee in the uh, Super Regionals. Now, I think some people were probably more scared of that than they should have been, but I, I like OU's prospects, you know, three-game series against anybody. Um, but you do avoid Tennessee in a Super Regional. Most likely you would play Virginia Tech if you made it that far, although they do have to go through Gonzaga, who a lot of people are really high on. And if mm-hmm. in that situation, it kind of gets interesting, where if Virginia Tech does not win their Regional and OU does win the uh, Gainesville Regional, then it becomes a bidding process to see who wants to host that more. You'd like to think that OU, as the bigger athletic department, the bigger school, has more resources and wants to handle that. But I don't know. Gonzaga probably doesn't have too much success in baseball um, and doesn't have too many opportunities to do that. So uh, we'll see if it gets to that. Or it could be someone else that uh, comes out of that regional mm-hmm. as well. But uh, but either way, you, you like where things stand for OU. They did get ranked uh, today, moved up a ton of spots in D1 baseball's rankings into the top 10. They're number nine currently. And uh, Kendall Rogers does have them as his sleeper pick to win the national title at this point. So Ooh. the rise continues for OU baseball. It's almost like I don't want to get too excited about it because it just keeps getting better and better. And I know there's probably heartbreak at the end of this, but you have to be so excited about what this team could accomplish at this point mm-hmm. because our expectations were, you know, pretty moderate coming into the year. Adam, can uh, just for our listeners, can you share where Florida was ranked in the Division One baseball standings? They are number eighteen, and eighteen. Okay, uh, there. There you go. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about the Gainesville Regional. So let's start with Florida. They're the they're the host site. And the reason Florida is here is because of their strength of schedule. The SEC is a very good conference. Um, and then yeah. Florida, of course, plays out of conference. You know, they schedule pretty well there between Florida State and Miami, mm-hmm. um, who they actually did take, I think, two uh, midweek games against Florida State, who's a tournament team. They won the series against Miami, uh, who is a host site, top 16 seed. And they, uh, uh, they played that back in March. So it's been a little while, but Florida has some really good wins. Now, in the SEC, they only finished at 500. So not necessarily impressive there. Their wins, uh, I believe they, they beat Arkansas, uh, which is a good, that's a good series win. They beat Mississippi state. who is not a tournament team. Like they usually are. Um, they lost LSU. So, um, they just don't have too many, uh, impressive wins in the conference. So they're really just there based on strength of schedule RPI, and you're going to get good RPI playing in the sec. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of why Florida is, is was ended up being the host here. Yeah, I mean, F- Florida, you know, number 13 overall national seed. You mentioned 500 in the conference. They had a really good run in the SEC tournament, losing to Tennessee in the title game. But, you know, hey, everyone loses to Tennessee. They're the uh, heavy betting favorite to win the national championship, and for good reason. So, But, Adam, you, I think when you look at the, the Florida Gators, you know, not the greatest lineup in the world by any means as a team. They're hitting uh, – they're only hitting 273. Uh, which by comparison, OU's hitting right around 297. But they have guys who can hit for power, play small ball, and steal bases. So you're going to have to be very, very sharp in all facets of the game should Oklahoma meet up against them this weekend. Uh, and one other name to kind of keep an eye out for, for for OU fans and I guess any of the other uh, you know fans of the teams that are going to be watching the Gainesville Regional uh, is sophomore Wyatt Langford. Uh, leads the Gators in all statistical batting categories, uh, 363 batting average, 23 home runs, 
60 RBIs and 85 hits. So um, while they did, uh, you know, play 500 baseball in the SEC, this is still a very, very good squad from top to bottom. And uh, I, I like where OU stands going into the going into this matchup down in Florida this weekend. So it's just going to be a matter of uh, this three-headed monster pitching staff of, you know, Jake Bennett, David Sandlin, uh, and God, I'm blanking, Kate Horton, Horton. Uh, yep. seeing uh, if they can yep. be dominant like they have been. Yeah. Now, most likely uh, you're going to play Florida on Saturday if you win Mm -hmm. and Florida wins as well. That'll put you in the winner's bracket there. Now, Florida's typical Saturday pitcher is Brandon Neely. He is a right hander, and that's kind of important right now because when we start seeing left handers in the opposing uh, on the opposing mound, that's when Skip starts messing with that lineup and taking out guys that are are hot right now (laughs) at the plate because of analytics and. Uh, you, you don't want to see that. So I think that could be encouraging. Most of uh, Florida's uh, aces are right uh, handers. So um, that's encouraging. This is a team that they're probably not going to seek out too many strikeouts necessarily. They're, they're, they're lower than OU in average strikeouts per game. They are elite defensively. They don't commit too many mm-hmm. errors. They're not going to just give you free bases necessarily. Um, although OU is going to be ex- incredibly aggressive um, on the base pass like they've been all year. So I think you like this matchup against Florida, even though it is in their home uh, stadium. And uh, But it's certainly a beatable team. And it, it's not to say that Florida might even lose in their Friday opener. A lot of people are high on Central Michigan. Central Michigan actually plays a lot like OU, very aggressive on the base, base pass, um, really good hitting average. They've got a great uh, Friday ace. So um, that's a team that might actually be able to take some arms out of the bullpen from Florida in day one and hopefully uh, you know, put them a little bit weaker positioning if OU is able to play uh, Florida on day two. Or even if Central Michigan wins, I think you like that as well because even though Central Michigan has a great record, most of that's against the MAC. It's not particularly great. They're, I think, 0-4 against quad one teams on the year. And then once their ace is used up on Friday, you know what are they going to have left to compete against OU potentially? So they don't yeah. necessarily scare me. I think I think Florida's the one to look at. And then, of course, Liberty as well. <laughs> we got to talk <laughs> about Liberty, right? Um, well, Adam, I, I did want to ask you before touching on Liberty here, you know, hypothetically, if, if you were sitting in Skip Johnson's chair right now, knowing that the Florida Gators are probably, uh, you know, most likely the team that you're going to be matching up with on Saturday, do you do you save Jake Bennett, not start your typical Friday guy, or do you just take the typical coach approach where, you know, you've got to get there first, so you throw your best guy right out there in game one just to try to get to that Saturday matchup, matchup against the Gators? No, I think you roll with Bennett and uh, and just put your best out there and keep the days the same. I don't think you want to mess up the rest pattern uh, all that much. You were able to uh, get this past Friday off. Bennett did start on Thursday, but um, I think you keep it the same. And honestly, I think Liberty is probably the team here that makes me possibly the most nervous because they have the ability to throw a left-hander at us. Um, it's kind of unclear who they might start here. They've kind of messed with the rotation a little bit because their their normal Friday ace, Garrett Horn, has been out with an injury. Doesn't look like he's going to be able to play. So you're either going to get one of two guys. Dylan Cummings, uh, who is a right-hander. He actually went viral earlier this year when they did their uh, uniform review uh, release uh, video. That went big on Twitter to uh, Celine Dion's um, song there. So... Um, some people might re- recall that one. And then uh, Joe Adamitz, who is a lefty, uh, he is giving up an average of 283. That's higher than any of the uh, OU weekend starters, uh, just to give you some comparison there. But 
those lefties are the ones that kind of give OU trouble because Skip likes to put in different guys in the lineup, and then those averages aren't as good there. So uh, we'll see what they can do. Now, Liberty's a team that will try to strike you out a lot more, and they're kind of similar to Florida, I guess, in regards to how they got to this point. Um, they, they play a pretty tough schedule. They've got some good wins. They've beaten some some tournament teams. Most notably, they opened the season with a three-game uh, series against Florida and won that one. So uh, wow. a solid team that spent uh, a majority of the early months of the year in the top 15, actually, top 20 in the nation. So um, it's a team that is, is very dangerous. Um, and uh, it makes me nervous. I mean, as a Liberty grad, <laughs> but an OU fan, born and raised, <laughs> there it is. it's, uh, it's going to be a... It's gonna be a weird one to watch for me, um, but no doubt, no doubt, what side of the line I'm I'm sticking in on this one. We didn't get confirmation from that on Twitter. That was a pretty, pretty vague response on that. It could have gone either way. I mean, if you don't know me, I, you, like you should, you should know that. I feel like. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair <laughs> enough. That's fair enough. What else you got on baseball, man? Before we transition over to the uh, last Rita little Hines. tidbit here, OU's odds to win. At all at this point to go to Omaha, take home the oh, national God. championship. What could be the first since 1994? Again, Kendall Rogers sleeper pick Kendall Rogers from D one baseball, probably the most plugged in media guy in college baseball as it is, but Vegas sick pegs OU at 80 to one. That's better than some of the national seeds right now. Better than number eight ECU better than number 16, Georgia Southern equal to number 15, Maryland. So I would say that's pretty good odds for a number two seed. Um, we'll see yeah. how how long this this hot streak continues. You know, is it going to come to an end, or is this team just building? Are they still building on their potential at this point? You got to love what OU's got right now. They've got uh, six guys in the lineup hitting over three hundred. You've got uh, most outstanding player from the Big Twelve tournament, Peyton Graham, the old uh, reliable Blake Robertson, the guy that finds a way on base, uh, whether it's a hit or a walk. Tanner Treadway, Wallace Clark, the freshman, John Spikerman, the speedster that's basically guaranteed a stolen base at this point. Uh, Brett Squires is healthy again. He's back in the lineup, um, you know, hitting in that uh, six, seven range usually and, and getting some RBIs. And then not even on that list is Jimmy Crooks hitting 296. So you've got some real power, um, you know, long ball, uh, strategic play, small ball. Oh, he's just doing it all offensively. So uh, it's a team that's really going to, test these elite defenses from Liberty and Florida uh, this weekend. Guys, let's transition to the, uh, the other side of the diamond. Um, Softball continues to roll a, a UCF team that I actually thought, uh, you know, could give the Sooners some trouble, especially with uh, Jordy Ball out. Well, that was far from the case. Sooners winning 8-0 in five in game one and then 7-1 in game two. Uh, just a great pitching performance here by Hope Trotwine and Nicole May. Trotwine goes five innings, three walks, no hits on 77 pitches. And Nicole May uh, following up with seven innings pitched, three hits, two walks, and four strikeouts on 88 pitches. So uh, honestly, guys, the that is probably the best case scenario you could have asked for for this pitching staff. Uh, keep those pitch counts low. Uh, get these games over quickly. Uh, really never in doubt from the Sooners. And similar to what we mentioned at the end of the regular season, Jocelyn Allo, home run on her final at bat at Marita Hines Field. It could not have been any more poetic 
the way she went out than seeing a, a long ball for the end of her bat to end her career in Norman. Uh, let's look forward, guys, because I think this uh, Women's College World Series is going to be very interesting. The Sooners open up against number nine, Northwestern, on Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Uh, Northwestern is 54-11 and 11 on the year. Strong wins over Oregon, UCLA, Clemson, Missouri, and Michigan. But guys, some strange losses throughout the year. They've lost to Minnesota twice by run rule. They've lost to Texas Tech, who we can vouch for not very good in the softball uh, realm. And then CSU Fullerton. So some strange wins in there. I'm not going to pretend like I've watched Northwestern softball all year. So maybe there's some valid reasons for uh, potentially why those losses happened. Um, But looking forward. If you win, you play the winner of UCLA and Texas on Saturday. Uh, If you lose, you play the loser of UCLA or Texas on Friday. Uh, Guys, Sooners, at least on paper, by far have the tougher side of the bracket. When you think of UCLA, Northwestern, Texas, number five, number nine, number 14. If you look on the other end, at least on paper, number 13, Florida, number 37, Oregon State, number 43, Arizona, and then, of course, number seven, Oklahoma State over there. So, I mean, anything can happen. This is why you play the games. I know that there was a ton of, uh, you know, upsets uh, in the Super Regionals. Um, but, uh, but guys, at least on paper, the Sooners definitely have their work cut out for them. One thing that is interesting, and I always forget which round this actually happens in, but the brackets do flip kind of midway through the uh, the Women's College World Series. So yep. it may yep. work out well, but uh, but I think, you know, you would have to think the way things are playing, Oklahoma State feels super confident coming out of the bottom of the mm-hmm. bracket, and OU's got to feel as confident as ever coming out of the top of that bracket. So we could have a, a Bedlam World Series. We'll see. That would be really interesting. But, guys, the big question's got to be Jordy Ball, right? We have not heard much on her status, um, but as many Sooner fans probably were, watching her celebrate with the team after the uh, after Game 2 in Norman, a lot more movement coming from that arm, not quite as bandaged up as it was before. Are we thinking we're going to see a Jordy Ball game here in uh, in Oklahoma City? I think I th- I think Patty, you know how how dare we doubt Patty Gasso? Uh, well, I think I came on this podcast right after the Big Twelve uh, tournament when they lost to Oklahoma State, and I was I wasn't quite pressing the panic button, but I was definitely looking at it going into postseason play. Uh, but but guys, dominant postseason run up to this point, outscoring all five of their opponents fifty two to three through the first two weeks of the postseason. And guys, it's just stupid what this team is doing right now. Uh, all nine starters hitting over 300. Seven of the nine are hitting over 350. You've got six double-digit home run hitters. And then, guys, the biggest the biggest eye-opening stat of all of them is you look at all three of Oklahoma's pitchers, they all have an ERA under one. Hopes is 0.4, Jordy's 0.95, and Nicole May, I know I've given her so, I know we've given her so much grief on this podcast. Okay, she's a perfect 15-0 with a 0.99 ERA. So yep. I don't know if we were kind of doubting Patty. We weren't, I don't think we were, that's the wrong word to use, but we, we were pressing the panic button or at least getting close to it when, when Jordy wasn't going to be ready to go for the postseason play. And boy, here you go. Pitching staff, Hope Trotwine, and Nicole May has only given up three runs in the last five games. It's it's crazy. and It's I, awesome. It's awesome. I, yeah, I was one of the doubters when, when Ball was announced that she wasn't going to go for the regional because I thought, man, we could be out you know the season with her and i just not sure that the depth is there. And Maybe that does prove true at this point, but you have to be really encouraged with the way that Trotwine and Nicole May have, have pitched. And we knew they were both, you know, really great. 
but they've handled and dealt these teams and not had to play um, anything extra. Um, yep. No yeah. losses so far in the postseason. And yeah, there's going to be some tough teams on this side of the, the bracket here to, to go through, but man, you, you put your work in and maybe you don't even need ball at this point as good as she is and as valuable as she is to this team. Maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I would be surprised if we see her start a game. I could, if, if she's healthy to go, I wouldn't be surprised maybe to see her come in and try to close one out. Um, and so that could be an interesting way to maybe keep her pitch count down, but to still get her for some meaningful, you know, pitches when we need it. Um, so it's going to be really interesting guys. I mean, we think that was, uh, you know, by the time they start, uh, that was almost three weeks ago or almost a month since the injury took place. I'm trying to think yeah. big 12 championship and then two rounds. So yeah, yeah you're I looking at almost a month. month. Yeah. So, um, granted, you know, I've, I've never had this injury, but you got to think that there's at least some sort of optimism that after a month of just sheer getting healthy, that she at least has a chance to go. Um, but let's take a quick look at uh, Northwestern here, guys. Uh, 54 and 11 on the year, as I mentioned before. Uh, most of their pitchers, you know, I think it's led, I'm seeing here, 31 and 4 by Danielle Williams. Uh, their starting pitcher there with an ERA of 1.86. If you look over to kind of their batting guys, uh, nothing really jumps off the page. But one thing I thought was interesting, uh, Northwestern 67 home runs on the year. And let's compare that uh, to, to what OU's done this year with uh, with 138. Uh, so pretty interesting there. But guys, if you narrow it down to just sheer um, sheer hits here, let's let's go up a little bit further. Northwestern hits on the year 466, Sooners 508. So a little bit of a closer gap than what uh, you know the home runs probably would lead you on to. So I have a feeling that if Northwestern is going to win this game, it's a low-scoring pitching battle. Um, but if the Sooner bats come alive, at least on paper, it doesn't seem like Northwestern will really be able to hang on to this one. Who scares you the most? Um, just, to, I guess, in these final other seven teams, who do you not want to face? OSU because of the familiarity. Texas is playing really well right now, though. Um, you know, I don't know. It would be nice to stay away from the two Big 12 teams for exactly kind of what you're mentioning there, just out of sheer familiarity. But then if you stay away from Texas, then you're facing UCLA, you know, yeah. who's no slouch. Yeah. So it, it's it's going to be really interesting. I, I said it before. I think OU has definitely the harder side of the bracket. Um, but, you know, it's all about getting hot at the right time. Maybe this, you know, Oregon State, maybe Arizona, these two teams that have kind of snuck in. Maybe they're playing right in, uh, you know, Oklahoma State and Florida have some things to look out for. Um, but another thing I thought that was interesting, guys, Oklahoma City has been a home not only for OU but for the SEC. One team from the SEC in this yeah. year's Women's College World Series, three from the Big 12 and three from the Pac-12. And then obviously you have uh, Northwestern from the Big 10. You know, it's kind of funny, guys. We we talked about it before the season started when trying to make our projections on who we thought was going to get to Oklahoma City to play in the Women's College World Series. And we kind of laughed and, and talked about the lack of parity in, mm-hmm. in collegiate athletics on the women's side, how, you know, usually depending on the sport, there's maybe – there's always three to four teams that are kind of maybe far superior above the rest and, you know, in terms of what's what's realistic and uh, teams having a chance to win a national championship. Then you look at the teams that are representing uh, the eight spots in this, in this contest and only five of the top 16 national seeds actually made it all the way to Oklahoma City. So uh, I, I think that that just speaks about the depth that there is across uh, college softball right now. Um, but, but guys, kind of going back to, to Jordy, one last point here. I, I think that Jordy is, and again, this is us not having any knowledge. This is just kind of a gut feeling here. I think Jordy is 
further along in the healing process. I, I think she's probably I think she's ready to go. I think she could pitch tomorrow if we needed her to. But I don't think I don't think we see her unless we lose a game. Now ultimately, you know, coming up this weekend it's gonna be a double elimination format. Everybody knows that. Um, but I think that these first two games, you know, it's it's coach speak. You always, you know, you always want to get off on a hot hot start. But Corbin, like you said, the top half of this bracket, it's loaded by comparison to the other side. So if you can figure out a way to to get through these first two games, and me personally, I might even throw Nicole May against Northwestern, knowing that you've got UCLA and Texas, probably two of the top five teams in college softball right now. Uh, I maybe try to save. Hope Trot wine for that game because then if yeah, you can if you can if you can get through those two games unscathed and you're two and zero you've got to win one more game to get to the championship series so try to save Jordy as long as you can but I think there's a very good chance that we'll see her um, this this uh, starting this upcoming week and hopefully we don't have to see her because if we don't see her I think that means that we're probably going undefeated and win a national championship so I would almost go the other way around if Jordy can go I'm throwing her Thursday. Because if something goes wrong with her, I wouldn't want it in an elimination game. I'd want it where there's a little bit of flexibility. And if she plays well and she is able to handle everything, then you don't have to play Friday. And so, you, and we know, and a great, I know it's coming where you know the softball World Series is going to elongate. There's going to be more time. Uh, you know, not necessarily not necessarily everything rushed into it like it has been in years past. But right now, it's about getting days off in the yeah. World Series. And if you can come in, you throw Jordy, she's healthy, and you can uh, win that game one, then if she's if she's good to go, you're throwing her game two as well on Saturday. So to me, it's get her out there early. Then you've got time for Nicole May, Hope Trotwine to potentially come in behind her if it goes wrong without necessarily having your season mm-hmm. on the line. And and I don't think you can you can understate the the impact of rest enough after looking at what Oklahoma had to go through last last year. You know, losing you know game one to James Madison, having to fight their way all the way up through the losers bracket to get back to the championship series. There were there were no days off for Patty's for Patty's squad last year. So um, I guess my my last thing on this guys, uh, you know, Patty Gasso and this group have an opportunity starting on Thursday. Uh, afternoon to put the final touches on what could ultimately go down uh, as one of the greatest softball teams in the history of uh, of Division One collegiate softball. So I, I cannot wait to see it. Um, I'm extremely impressed with what I've seen from this pitching staff, how they've kind of overcome not having Jordy Ball, their ace, uh, and the National Freshman of the Year, as we found out just about an hour ago. So um, this team's firing on all cylinders right now. Much like OU baseball, they're peaking at the right time. They're playing their best ball, and that bodes well for uh, both baseball and softball um, going to the next stage of postseason play. Absolutely, and you always got to love the prospects when you're playing in your home away from home just up the road in mm-hmm. Oklahoma City. Uh, unlike uh, with golf, uh, sometimes it can hurt you when the other oh, team's yeah. playing near them, uh, but uh, <laughs> softball's always an OKC, so... Um, you've got that always uh, in your advantage there. So we'll see what the Sooners can do. Any last thoughts on softball, Corbin? No, Adam, you're just, you're just taking advantage of the fact that you can finally like talk bad about another sport when yours is doing well. So I appreciate this from you. You're just, like, that was throwing golf under the bus because baseball is top of the world. No, that was not a knock at golf. It was just the, <laughs> it's just how it was. I mean, or uh, Arizona state's playing a course that I'm sure their team is very sure. familiar with. So it's just it's, uh, uh, it's it's like it's playing a, uh, you know LSU in the Sugar Bowl in 03. Sometimes nothing you can yeah. do about it really. So yeah. 
Yeah. Well, well uh, guys, before we get, I, I think that we'll probably record one more, um, but before this gets, before this uh, gets into it, but uh, guys, any predictions on uh, does uh, baseball make it to a super regional and does softball win a national championship? Corbin. I, I like softball winning a national championship. Uh, I, I think OU gets to the supers, but that's, that might be where they come <laughs> short. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with that. I it's hard for me to not be super biased about baseball because I'm I'm just You can't you can't change right your tune now. You're 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 yeah. all in on them. Well, well, I mean, and to be fair, I was very cautious going into the Big 12 tournament thinking that that was too many games uh for this pitching staff to to maintain, but they found a way. And now going forward, you really only have I guess three games or so to, to make it. So it's just like a, a regular weekend series. You've got your full bullpen uh, arms to, to rely on, you know, your Chaz Martinez, your Trevin Michael. So you got to like the the setup that you got, at least if until you make it to Omaha when there's a lot more games there, but that's a long way away. So I, I'll stick with OU baseball to the supers and a national championship for softball at this point. Uh, I'm going to echo uh, the same sentiment, Adam. I think that I think that OU baseball goes to Gainesville this weekend. They take care of the Gators and everybody else. And I think OU softball runs the table in the Women's College World Series, and they complete the 59 and two season uh, to let them go down as the greatest team of all time. So it's a bold prediction, but they're playing good softball right now. Pitching is uh, pitching is elite right now, and from your two and three guys. So if you if Jordy comes back and she's her old self. Um, we've said it all season long. I don't see any team out there that's going to beat them once, much less twice. And I think that gets started on Thursday. Well, I love the positivity. So we'll, we'll end it there. Uh, How did we not talk football? Is, is that okay? Is, <laughs> is that all right? Going we, on, there's nothing going on. Like, I'm just shocked. Nothing. We've gone, we've gone 45 minutes and there's been a single talk about mule shoe or Brent Venables or OU football at all. It's kind of, it's kind of refreshing. That's a testament to how how just great of an athletic department this really is when we when we think about it. Where we can great have point. a podcast where we can talk four five to four different sports, three different sports, I guess tonight, and football not be one of them. You know, it's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, you gotta love it. I'll I'll give you a mule shoe reference. I did see the uh, mule shoe. I guess they're the miners or the mules or something. I saw their bus in New Braunfels, and I wanted to wanted to chase it down. I guess they were doing some high school sports uh, in the area, so. There's your did, your mule shoe reference. Did, did the bus come from mule shoe or the portal, Adam? Uh, you know, it was really unclear. It's uh, I, Adam who knows. Adam expressing his urge to vandalize high school kids' property. <laughs> that, I did. I made no such reference to that. So let's shut this thing down before it, it gets completely off the rails. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Mainline Pod, uh, our YouTube page as well. Uh, we'll have some other stuff coming out there in the future. Uh, search for us on there at the main or the uh, mainline podcast and of course uh, if you enjoyed the podcast made it this far uh, subscribe give us a review let us know how we're doing and uh, we'll see everyone again next week on the mainline podcast 